Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Ollie Mann. Welcome to the Media Podcast. This week, the BBC Trust allows Radio 1 to launch a video channel on iPlayer, but will the YouTube generation be knocking on Auntie's door to watch? Competition regulators force Sky to make some of its sports channels available to arch-rival BT, but what does that mean for fans? The sun feels the heat after a competition ad to win a date with a Page 3 model is banned. Plus, we'll take a first look at some of the ads encouraging us to spend, spend, spend in the season of consumerism. Uh, I mean goodwill. That's all on the Media Podcast, sponsored by Audioboom. Right, well, joining me today in the uh, friendly and warm bosom of the Hospital Club, our regular uh, contributor and radio consultant, Paul Robinson. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. Nice to be here. Uh, And uh, with a very warm welcome to his very first ever media podcast, it's Chris Arnold, former creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi and now founder of ad agency Creative Orchestra. Chris, what have you been up to this week? Hello. Um, Well, it's been a mixed week, planning four TV commercials um, to encourage people to spend, uh, but also on a more community side, organising a festival for Christmas for my community. Nice. So quite a contrast. Anything uh, exciting you doing at Tombola? Uh, No, we've actually got a 30 market stalls, choirs and all that going on in Crouch End on the in December so it should be quite fun it's quite a nice contrast from making TV <laughs> I can imagine slightly different budgets as well I different suspect. budgets but just as much work uh, and Paul even more exciting than Crouch End you've been in East London I- I've been in East London um, I've been in Romania little crisis there and I've also been in an edit suite for two days uh, editing a cooking channel for YouTube uh, which Ooh. is um, quite interesting uh, but I'm really a bit sort of zonked out with pasta and noodles and um, pavlova if you can indeed have too much of those things. Well, on with the show, and we start this week with the BBC Trust, which has approved Radio 1's proposal to launch a video channel on iPlayer. The station will be posting one or two new videos every day, they say, including music sessions and interviews. The Trust consulted with Ofcom, amongst others, before deciding to allow the venture, saying that it could provide a new entry point to the iPlayer for younger audiences. Paul, is this really necessary? Because Radio 1's been quite big on YouTube for some time, and if that's where the young audiences are, why try and put them somewhere else? Well, first of all, um, you have to say that Radio 1, although still a big radio station with 10.5 million listeners, listening per listener is declining and declining quite fast, down from nine hours or so five years ago to six hours now. And if you go back 20 years, Radio 1 had 19 million listeners listening for 11 or 12 hours. So in the last 20 years, they've lost 70% of their total listening. So that's very significant. Well, except there's nothing for kids to do 20 years ago, well, and now there's rather a lot. The, the, the 
market has changed. But the point is, you know, Radio 1 is clearly not as big a radio station as it was. However, um, their YouTube channel is moderately successful, 1.6 million regular users. But they're still quite small compared to Radio 1 at 10.5 or 11. The, the issue here, I think, is do you want, as a BBC publicly funded organisation, to send your listeners off to a non-BBC branded platform? That's the issue. And I think by uh, attempting to do something on the iPlayer, they're trying to keep this within the BBC family. After all, remember, uh, Radio 1 is very important in terms of engaging with young licence fee payers who watch less television than older licence fee payers. So they need Radio 1 to continue to be uh, well patronised because they want the licence fee supported as their funding mechanic. I think what's interesting is that the, the Trust decided not to go for a public value test uh, because the project is quite small, and that's really the point. Um, Radio 1 still has 65 million listener hours a week of total listening. Uh, they're setting a target of 300,000 hours for this new iPlayer service, which is less than half of 1% of Radio 1's audience. So even if they do, in fact, get new people coming to them via um, the iPlayer, it's so small, it's almost not going to be picked up by Radio. And, and also, actually, Chris, you know, even if young people do engage with this content and of course they will if their favourite pop star is doing a live session and it's all over the internet they'll be getting it I imagine through links on social media they sort of don't care where they're getting directed to do they? No I mean there's not a lot of loyalty now to channels that's the problem I mean nowadays you can get things from so many areas why stay loyal I mean you're right I mean many years ago you had Radio 1, Radio 2, Radio 3 and 4 and that was it so you were loyal to it but now there's just no loyalty among consumers they will get wherever they can get it the easiest depending on what kind of mechanism they're using whether it's their iPhone or iPad I think it's probably a case of maybe BBC wanting to be seen to be doing it. So it might be as much as that, just sort of look good. But it could also come out that if they're doing the consumer research, consumer research may have just told them actually people did want it. So it's hard to know, actually, without seeing the background. To well, it. the BBC Trust have also uh, you know, set the management, the objective of actually increasing the penetration mm. of Radio 1 amongst young listeners. Yeah. And in fact, what's happened is it's gone the other way. It's gone down. So the Trust have to be seen to be doing something. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, you're totally right about brand loyalty. I think the content issue is really interesting. They're talking about putting up you know, one or two new things a day. But actually, it's going to be Radio 1 sessions, you know, live lounge. It's going to be, you know, documentary stuff like that. Is that really compelling enough to drive someone to a new platform? I don't think it is. I think you've got to have really, really powerful content. A few weeks ago, they got into trouble with Newsbeat over the whole cannabis thing, where they're identifying where you can actually legally go and buy cannabis. That was extremely popular. Now, the challenge is clearly if they put that onto the iPlayer, that might well get new traffic. But that's going to be very difficult for them to do as a public service broadcaster. So they are slightly caught between doing something young people really want and remembering they're funded by the licence fee. Yeah, I think they really need to actually think about what they're going to put on it. Otherwise, it will just be a sort of bolt-on and it will fade very quickly. You know, six months down the line, they'll just scrap it. So they've got to rethink it. It's very, very important. They've got to make it amazing. I mean, that's a simple thing. They can't just sort of, oh, we'll have some stuff and we'll stick it on it. And that's a mistake a lot of brands made and other people made. Just sort of, it's about content. No, it's about brilliant content. It's about unique content. It's about content that the audience really want. You only have to look at, say, newspapers like, for example, the Metro, where they're really up to all their stuff on guilty pleasures and actually on actually doing stuff about celebrities. And that's really winning over new audiences. And I don't know if this is a concern that maybe I just have as a presenter, albeit not one that's going to be knocking on Radio 1's door anytime soon, but it seems to me if they're looking for new talent now as well, they're going to be looking for people who can play online in video when Radio 1 is supposed to be the biggest radio station for young people. I mean, is there a danger they'll just end up with more of these Nick Grimshaw, Fern Cotton characters coming over from telly who don't necessarily particularly have an interest in 
in being on the radio first and foremost. Well, certainly the current controller has actually stated publicly he's actually looking for that. You know, if you if you want to knock on the door as a Radio 1 DJ, you've got to demonstrate you've got a lot of followers on Twitter. You've got to demonstrate you've got a YouTube following. That's exactly what he's looking for. And I think that's part of the problem with Radio 1. Radio 1 is not that compelling a radio station. It's not as good as it could be. Because actually, if you listen to it, a lot of it is crap. It's OK, but not stunning. And you, I think you're totally right, Chris. People now expect compelling content. There's mm. so many places to go. If you're putting out mediocre stuff, why go there? There's so many other places where there's better stuff. But you can just see, I mean, just my own way I view TV for example, I don't just watch a TV channel now. I mean, I'm, I'm actually getting more stuff streamed through things like Amazon for example. And so I'm changing my behaviour and I've been a very traditional loyal to stations but now I get my, my sort of content from almost anywhere so there is no need for me to be loyal. There's no need for me just to be reliant on one. And I think the idea of radio and Radio 1 I mean, again, we look at our competitions, it's not coming in the form of called, being called radio anymore. So maybe, you know, in many ways, they do need to change the model and bring it up to date. OK, well, sticking with the wireless for now, former Guardian Media Group radio chief John Myers has ruffled some feathers this week, suggesting that the current way that ads are sold on commercial radio isn't sustainable. Uh, He did this in a blog post which he entitled The Elephant in the Room. Uh, He says that on some stations, programme controllers are struggling to find time for original content after first having to make room for up to 18 minutes of ads every hour. Um, that is kind of the elephant in the room, isn't it, Paul? People don't openly question when they're in the industry uh, the uh, model by which we all make money. But but John's saying stations should increase the prices of the ad spots, decrease the number of ads needed. Is that the right recipe? Well, first of all, I think this blog is sort of something and nothing in a sense. There's nothing new in here at all. Um, radio, in terms of cost per thousand, the currency by which we measure uh, the price of advertising, is the cheapest medium by a long way. And in real terms, uh, hasn't gone up in price for a long time. If you believe that increasing the supply of advertising is going to cause you to get a price increase, you're wrong, because actually quite the opposite will happen. Um, the big problem for commercial radio is not about the amount of advertising on it. It's the fact that commercial radio has lost its way in terms of engaging with audiences. Commercial radio used to have more than 50% share of listening. It's now actually declining in audience, and the BBC uh, is taking that share. And that's in the context of radio listening overall being extremely strong. There is no evidence that overall radio listening is declining. In fact, you know, it's been record highs in the last couple of years, but commercial radio's share of it's gone down. So commercial radio has got to learn to reconnect with its audience and make really compelling content. If it did that, advertisers would want to be advertising on commercial radio that's the real challenge and part of that content of course chris nowadays involves branded content doesn't it is that a smarter way to reach audiences with an ad message yeah i'm a great believer actually in sort of revisiting the model and actually designing something new and fresh and more in tune with the times um i think the problem is that i mean i share people's concern that they listen to radio stations and just add after ad after ad it comes irritating to the point where you just want to turn off if anything it is actually driving people away from commercial radio. And I think they do need to relook at the model. They do need to look at different ways of how brands can engage consumers through the content. And if the programmes, you know, is great content, then why not integrate that with the brands as well? You know, it'd be a much better way to go. But, I mean, 18 minutes of ads, I mean, who really can stand that? Can you think of someone who's really doing it well at the moment, though? I mean, it's easy to say, oh, it needs to be better. But who actually integrates commercial messages in a way that is entertaining? I mean, no one really likes listening to ads, do they? Um, No, not really. But, I mean, you've seen certainly how brands have integrated with films, you know, even if sometimes it's a bit sort of heavy-handed, as in the James Bond films. But, you know, progressively, this idea of integrating a brand into a storyline... Um, I mean, it's almost going back, actually, about 50 years to 
when we created the whole idea of the soap opera, which was actually created by soap companies to actually put their brands into stories and create content. I mean, all the idea of creating content is not new. It's and on commercial radio, we have had a bit of that, though, Paul, haven't we? We've had the Pepsi chart show, and now it's the big UK top 40 Vodafone, whatever it is. I mean, they do try and chuck brands in there. So why isn't there more of it? Why don't the agencies want it? Well, look, I, I think Chris is absolutely uh, absolutely right. Agencies don't want it, presumably, because they don't see it as value or don't see it as an environment in which they want to be uh, want to be placed. There is, of course, another couple of points to make. One is that the, the general quality of radio ads is poor. Oh, it's terrible. been poor for 20 years. It's still quite poor. I think there's an issue about improving the creativity. There's also an issue about thinking about the model. The thing about spot advertising, of course, is it's quite a good one in the sense that with radio, you don't tend to flick around in the way you do with digital media. But the world is changing and I think uh, as Chris says integrating the message with the editorial regulation allowing and there are regulatory issues oh, there you know and there's, there are people who would actually say you know merging the commercial message with editorial is the wrong thing to do but I think consumers actually are quite sophisticated and I think yeah. they know when they're being advertised to and they know when uh, it's editorial so I think it's patronising to suggest otherwise but yes there's definitely a need to look at it but the big problem is commercial radio has got to up its game it's filled with rather mediocre people I have to say uh, if Global and Bauer got together, they could really make this work with the Radio Advertising Bureau. But you talk to the Radio Advertising Bureau and they tell you, Global and Bauer fight. They can't work together. They have to, because if not, the BBC is going to steal all their listening clothes. I think there's something else that's quite key as well. I mean, the money is channeled through the media companies and the media company attitudes can be very outdated. And they tend to work in sort of in numeric ways. That means that you've really got to make radio fantastically interesting to go beyond that, to get the clients to demand it, actually to say to the media companies, why isn't radio on there? At the moment, it's just part of a media schedule. And media companies can be very lazy about that. You know, they just see radio, oh, put some TV, put some outdoors, which is still the most powerful of the medium, and then we put some radio on it and then we start chucking some digital all the rest. So they tend to work in a formal way. So they need to change the game. They absolutely need to change the game. Okay, well, having declared the 30-second ad spot almost dead, it's time for us to take our one and only ad spot of the show, so I better do a hook and tease. When we come back after this, we'll be talking about football. This episode of the Media Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. Plus, Media Podcast listeners can get a free trial and 10% off by entering the code MEDIAPOD at the checkout. And, as you know, Squarespace is simple to use. Just drag and drop media into the browser window, choose a template that suits your project, and that's it. You're ready to launch in minutes. Start a trial with no credit card required, and begin building your own website with Squarespace today. Right, good news for football fans. Yes, you can take a break from your racist chanting and raise a cheer because the Competition Appeal Tribunal has ruled that B Sky B must make Sky Sports 1 and Sky Sports 2 available to customers of arch rival BT Sport. And this, by the way, isn't the same as BT Vision. This is people watching via a UView box, which can all get very confusing if you're not actually one of their customers. Uh, but nonetheless, Paul, this took four years of legal wrangling by Ofcom to achieve. It's been seen as a major victory for the regulator and a victory for BT as well, of course. Do you think it actually makes a huge amount of difference to consumers, though? Well, first of all, does it make a huge difference to Sky? Um, and I think the answer to that is no. 
Um, Sky have the majority of the packages. They have five out of the seven. BT have two. They have all the top games. That continues to be the case. And Sky will continue to compete for as many packages as they possibly can. Um, I suspect they will continue to be very successful at securing uh, top games. Um, It's a victory for the regulator. I mean, Ofcom has been struggling to extend what's called the must-carry Uh, regulations and they've now extended it to UView, the OTT platform. Um, It's a relatively small number of customers. Um, Is anybody from Sky going to churn out of Sky Sports to go and get a UView box? Highly unlikely. Um, For consumers who've got a UView box, they're going to get Sky Sports 1 and Sky Sports 2. It's by no means the entire Sky Sports offering, so it's just part of the Sky Sports portfolio. And it's it's not in HD either. And it's not in HD. So look, I think it's a victory for Ofcom. They they get a tick in the box. Um, BT appear to have Made a gain, um, and Sky are pretty ambivalent about it. So I think for it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync. Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Most customers, if they want sport, they've either got Sky or they've got BT, uh, BT Sport, and that will continue to be the case. So I think in a way, it's a, it's a lot of hot air, uh, a few people gain, but really for consumers, it's pretty much flat. Well, you say, it's, you say it's no big deal for Sky, but they have spent four years contesting this, otherwise they would have just agreed, right? Look, Sky have got an amazingly good lobbying organisation. I mean, Sky have been successful throughout their history. Um, at lobbying for the things they want for their business. And of course, you know, it's a little chink in Sky's armour here, a little chink. They'd rather it wasn't there. They'd rather it was completely exclusive. But of course, they spent years lobbying to stop Virgin Media from taking the channels uh, many years ago. And that eventually was chipped away. Has it affected Sky Sports? No. I mean, Sky continues to add new subscribers, new revenue generating units. You know, it's the biggest pay TV platform uh, in the UK by far. Its revenue now exceeds that of the BBC. Uh, Sky continues continue to do great guns. And Chris, you're not a football fan, but why do you think football is so important to the likes of Sky and Virgin and BT? Is it something to do with the fact it's a live event and that's a way of going back to what you do and selling ads? Um, well, back to content again, it's what people want. I'm interesting enough, I used to work on Sky Marketing and the two things we used to sell Sky were sports and uh, The Simpsons. 
And uh, it was, in fact, the biggest problem we had with Sky is actually is that wives would stop husbands getting it because they didn't want to end up as football widows on Saturday. So, you know, the reality is it's back to content. It's what people want. I think my girlfriend has actually become a Simpsons widow. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> staying with B Sky B, the broadcaster has announced Sky Arts Amplify, a fund of £3 million to be spent over the next three years on TV co-productions between independent producers and arts institutions. Chris, it seems like the BBC and Sky are kind of competing to uh, work alongside the big cultural institutions of the country. Do the viewers care? Firstly, I think it's really important, actually. I mean, I'm a great supporter of things like the creative economy and the arts, and I do think it's fantastic they're doing this, although I think they're a little bit focused entirely on a narrow area of the arts rather than broadening it. And actually, I don't think they're being that contemporary in embracing the many areas of creativity they could be. So I kind of feel a little bit like there's a bit of a PR spin on this. It's a bit, it looks good, it looks cultural, you know, and I think it's maybe... A, Sky upping its game against BBC to look a bit more quality. But it, there is always that element of box ticking, especially with arts programming, isn't yeah. there, Paul? Because you get this sense that, uh, you know, for every repeat of the South Bank show they show, or for every tie up they do with the Royal Opera House, actually it's the glossy drama with Stephen Fry that they're going to put all over the billboards. Well, this is about, as Chris was saying, uh, protecting their business. I mean, uh, investing in arts is actually very good for Sky. Uh, it's a very small amount of money in context of Sky's total revenue. That You know, they've got several billion in income. This is three million pounds. So it's a very small amount of money. But Sky Arts is a commercially sound proposition. Um, ABC One's upscale uh, subscribers like Sky Arts. It makes them feel good about having Sky and they can talk about Sky, you know, at the events they go to and feel good about it. So this is a commercial proposition. This is about maintaining their upscale customer base. Um, And of course, they're supporting projects. Fantastic. But they're going to choose things which are commercially valuable to them. And that's why they've made these decisions. And Chris, will you be watching uh, Christmas Win? Windows Live, Pixie Lot, singing live in a window, a shop window at Westfield. Um, I think I'll be fascinated by it. I think I might just actually watch it. I do like that kind of trash TV. (laughs) Uh, Right, uh, let's turn next to... uh page three. At the moment it is the subject of a long-running campaign to ban topless models. The Advertising Standards Agency has banned an ad which offered as a prize a date with a page three model after more than a thousand people complained that it objectified women and also encouraged gambling. The ASA ruled that in the context of the ad to offer a date with a woman as a reward was demeaning to women and objectified those offered as prizes. Uh, (laughs) I think it was particularly the fact that this actual promotion said you can even choose which one you want using the word one for women there but chris actually sometimes if your ad pushes the boundaries a bit especially if you're a brand like the sun it's a badge of honor isn't it to have the sa looking into you a bit oh absolutely i mean it's probably generated a lot more interest and it may have done otherwise and the thing they have done is they've gained a tremendous amount of publicity and those kind of campaigns that do generate a lot of chat and even if they are controversial, end up usually doing a lot for the brand. I think Chris has nailed it. I mean, they've got a great deal of coverage out of this. You know, it's it's raised the issue. Fantastic PR, um, maybe clumsy wording, but it, maybe it was deliberate. I don't know. But I mean, ultimately, they're a winner. There's been a lot of people talking about it, including us right now. Uh, now, tis the season to be jolly. Tis the season of the viral video. We'll move on to the Christmas ads in just a second. But before we talk about that specifically let's talk about OK Go briefly because yet again uh, they've had a massive online hit they've got a a viral video for a a song uh, which has taken off in more ways 
than one, Chris. It, it is actually an amazing video, this um, um, I Won't Let You Down, because they've actually got together with Honda on it. So in a way, it's actually partly a Honda ad. And it's all done in one take over five minutes. It took about 60 different times to do it, to get it right. But it's all one take, and it's filmed with a drone, which is also created by Honda. And it is, I mean, they've made amazing video, but they keep going better and better each time. And already it's gained over 11 million viewers, which is actually more than, for example... John Lewis had got last Christmas um, and it's getting bigger and bigger so I mean there's a band that's sort of come from nowhere and have just won over the public amazingly with you know without the kind of media support some bands have had like well, e- except they're no one's favourite band are they and this is what I always come back to people always talk about OK Go's amazing videos and they are amazing because their I can't music is very mediocre the music's really mediocre it's, and it always has been it's but, music to play in Starbucks and buy jeans yeah, to isn't it but the videos are always stunningly clever yeah. and sort of almost Heath Robinson in the way they construct them um, but yeah they just seem to go on and on and they're now you know they're pulling in big brands to come and work with them I mean Honda yeah relationship with this is fantastic it's doing a lot for Honda as well a lot of people are interested in the actual this little unicycle that's in it yeah and that is a better bit of kind of brand integration than yeah. we've seen in some other pop videos where they're clumsily chucking a, a shot of Lady Gaga looking at a Virgin Mobile or whatever yeah exactly and look I mean it's back to the point we made earlier about amazing content I mean this is a stunning piece of work you know I mean a lot of effort's gone into it and it really is standout I mean it really is amazing and so what happens lots of people watch it you know it's exactly that point you know rather than being part of the long tail you're part of the must watch and suddenly you've got an amazing result you get a huge number of people watching the music being not very good uh, is irrelevant actually because the video is bloody amazing yeah you can watch it silently it's brilliant it's got 1500 people in it um, at the end creating this sort of digital um, dot matrix thing which is really amazing and I I just think it's interesting that Honda have kind of given over their money to a sort of creative band and said go do something really amazing whereas if they'd given it to an ad agency they've been sitting there telling the ad agency oh can you change this can you change oh too many people in this or can we make sure what the logo large so it's an interesting that, you know, it challenges also the traditional ad model that uh, agencies do. So say, actually, create something really amazing and more people like to watch it, more people like to talk about it, more people probably want to buy one of these things. They're probably going to sell loads of these things. OK, so we're all agreed it's a really impressive video, but uh, OK, go. More time uh, songwriting, less time dicking around on treadmills, please. Uh, and let's move <laughs> on to uh, a, a genuinely, again, compelling and I think beautiful piece of, of content, and it's an ad. Uh, John Lewis, of course. Their Christmas ad is out, uh, featuring a penguin this year. Um, Chris, first of all, what are your thoughts on the creative effort here? Um, is this about selling stuffed penguins? Does this tap into uh, John Lewis's pedigree now for doing these Christmas ads with sort of earnest young pianist singing over the top well, of emotional scenes? I mean, they have redefined the Christmas ad and they've taken it to a level way above anything that anybody else has done. It's a shame in a way that still some other retailers are doing really boring, dull, you know, loads of families sitting around with Christmas tinsel with snow outside when we know it never what you're talking about Jules Holland's in the Aldi ads. Yeah, well, Iceland's <laughs> got Peter Andre. I don't know yeah. what you mean. <laughs> but I, I think this ad, it is follows in the tradition of... Of creating these almost children's storybook stories which is what they do and it is very touching it is very emotive it is absolutely beautifully done I mean the CGI on it is amazing personally I preferred the snow the snow couple from a couple of years ago I didn't like last year's one so much but I think this will be another massive hit for them um, it will take it beyond normal advertising it's already getting a lot of tweets and social media coverage uh, a massive amount of PR coverage I mean, which is very few brands could ever dream of actually having the press dying to see the new ad 
um, M&S are about to launch theirs, I think, tonight or tomorrow. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what the rival there, because their ad last year was pretty amazing, actually, with Tim Burton and Hella Bonacarta. Um, but it was probably a bit too dark for the, for the common public. Yeah, and what John Lewis seemed to do really well is that emotional moment at the end where you get your lump in the throat. And I, I mean, to do that for years and years and years now, do you think the magic's going to wear off at some point, Paul? Well, I worked for the Walt Disney Company, as you know, for a long time. And, and this reminds me of the sort of creative process we went through there. A million uh, pounds for this duration is actually a very high budget for CGI. They've really, really um, put everything in it. And it, it is a beautiful piece of execution. But it's that sort of combination of of music and uh, and animation and and adorable characters that actually Disney does really well and these guys are doing amazingly. You know, you see so many adverts where there's something happening on the screen and there's some music running underneath and there's no connection between the music and the pictures. If you can sync those two things up and you can really use that music to make an emotional connection and that's what music is so good at, plus you've got something gorgeous on the screen, suddenly it's a very powerful means of communicating and that's the best sort of um, communication now that would be traditionally what would happen in a Disney feature they're doing the same sort of quality for John Lewis and then the brand John Lewis is linked to it so you feel good about it uh, and you engage with it and you know they had a a 6.9% increase in sales last year which they attribute to the the ad last year well they Um, made a fortune back on the ads they're getting a massive ROI on their ads so they're proving that really powerful ads and Mm -hmm. someone said actually it's not really an ad it's a film Back to the point about radio earlier, you know, invest in really good advertising mm. and it has an amazing effect. And there's no reason why radio couldn't do the same thing. It clearly can't do CGI animation on the air, although I guess it could probably you can imagine visualize it. it. But you, it should be using music and voices really powerfully. There have been some great radio ads in the past, but you know, use those tools to create an emotional connection in people that motivates them to do something. After all, all an ad is about is changing perception or encouraging you to go and do something different. Mm. And that's what this does and and actually what's interesting to me about the john lewis message that they've had for the last few years is the present that's delivered in the final shot yeah and after all there's no pack shot the whole commercial right you know it's john lewis because of the style yeah but you you don't see the bag with john lewis written on it or anything like that and then the present that's gifted is usually something quite humble that any family can afford stuffed penguin you know 10 quid yeah that message is quite interesting when you compare it to the burberry commercial with romeo beckham where he's wearing a 315 pound scarf and dancing around for five minutes john lewis just seemed to get the sort of family value of Christmas. They do. I think they understand their consumer better than anyone. And maybe it's because, in a way, they're cooperative. They're not a nasty corporation. They have a very different mentality. And I think they have made a lot of effort to get it under the skin of their own consumers. And if you look at all of their other campaigns they do, they do it really, really well across everything. They just and they don't do it in the kind of heavy-handed way that large retailers like Walmart do it. So I think, actually, you know, they are probably the leading light in understanding how to do great advertising at the moment. And they're setting the standards so high. It's amazing. OK, that's enough blowing smoke up the bum of John Lewis. Maybe the Waitrose <laughs> advert will be rubbish. Uh, let's uh, finish now with, hooray, the media quiz. Uh, now, Chris, this is very exciting for you uh, because this is uh, your very first opportunity to win a cream egg. Paul has done so before. You can see it on his face. He thinks he's going to win. Buzz in with your name when you've got I the answer. I like the cream egg, actually. It's a good prize. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, the, for also, inexplicably, Chris, uh, we change the format every single fortnight. No reason at all. And so, with a hat tip to a certain long-running topical news quiz, there's just time for the missing words round. Uh, whoever's first to answer gets the point, and it's the best of three. Fingers on the buzzers to fill in the blanks. Adrian Charles's what has grown by 18%? Leap. Paul. John Lewis. No, so his pay rise. <laughs> he has, yes, his profit. His profit has grown by 18%. Accord- I'm amazed by how much he earns. It's though. extraordinary, I mean, you know, isn't it? 4.6 million. And I thought he disappeared from the scene, really. 
for hosting a couple of football matches, basically, yeah. and a chat show no one watches. Incredible. A £700,000 rise. I mean, he's done really well. Uh, that is according to an investigation by the Daily Mail, yes. Uh, Adrian Charles's salary uh, has gone up uh, more than £4.6 million. Pounds. Uh, that's up from £3.9 million for the same period last year. Uh, worryingly for a man who fronted a personal finance TV show for a decade, he says he's got a pension, but he doesn't really understand it. Right, question two. Differences between what and what are what, according to CNBC? I can fill in a blank for you. Absolutely no idea. Okay, how about if it was differences between Britain and what are what, according to CNBC? This is currency. This is about um, CNBC not realising that in Ireland they don't use the pound. And and I think what this comes down to is that Americans don't understand that actually the United Kingdom is is four countries. It's, It's still Scotland, of course, England, Wales and Northern Ireland. And then there's the Republic of Ireland. Of course, the Republic of Ireland uses the euro and the UK uses the pound. But there you go. That's the Americans for you. Yes. Uh, again, well, Paul's won the quiz already then. Chris, you're just, you're just playing for fun now. This is the differences between the UK and Ireland being considered confusing. According to CNBC, business presenter Joe Kernan struggled to get his head around the differences between the UK, Ireland and Scotland in a live interview with the head of Ireland's foreign development agency, who very patiently had to tell the business journalist that Ireland uses something called the euro and that it isn't part of the UK. Uh, right. Final question then. Uh, I'd say it's all to play for, but it isn't. Uh, what is a what for the habitual what of what is known as what? Um, I'm completely lost on this one. I'm it's, sorry. it's quoting a song lyric. Oh. Um, what is a what for the habitual what of what is known as what? Do the Cockney voice. Okay, I think I'm going to I'm going to end our misery here. This is uh, Park Life. I'm quoting Park Life. Oh right. Time. Who was the actor in the Park Life song? Producer Pete. Uh, Bill. Davies, no, Phil? Daniels. Daniels, thank you. Phil Daniels in Park Life by Blur uh, has been used in the mashup of the week online. Uh, basically, any time Russell Brand says something, uh, you then cut in Blur singing Park Life because it sounds a bit like that. Viva la Revolution. Uh, my thanks to Paul Robinson and to Chris Arnold. Thank you, Chris. Uh, this podcast is dedicated to two of our loyal backers who contributed to the show. Johnny B, a solicitor by trade, in no way involved with the media industry, but a great fan of the podcast. Uh, and Peter Nottage, who is very much involved in the industry as a continuity announcer slash voiceover slash presenter he says basically i say words out loud for money you have my sympathies i use my phone number Uh, yeah (laughs) Uh, we are indebted to you both thank you very much that is it for now we're back in two weeks with regulars liz howell and lisa campbell on the panel the media podcast is a ppm production produced this week by peter price i'm ollie mann bye-bye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.